You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Hallelujah. Let's give a strong hallelujah to the Lord. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. So we are doing a study on First Peter. We have done uh, last week, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And we'll continue from verse 8 to 12 uh, this morning. Uh, verse 8. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic Love us, brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Now, when you use the word finally, what does it mean? He has said something before, isn't it? So he, we talked about submission between servants to masters. Then we talked about how Christ submitted to the Father. Then we talked about wives to submit to the husbands. And husbands to love their wives. And finally... Now he's coming to, he's summarizing all this submission, what it should be like and what it should mean. And finally he says, all of you live in harmony with one another. He, has, he lists out five characteristics, five important things every one of us must have. Who should have them? Everyone. No exemption now. Whether you are a master, you are a servant, a wife or a husband, a son or a daughter, you are a father, parent. It doesn't matter who you are. If you are a believer, you must have these five characteristics. That should stand out in your life. Because that they are the marks of a Christian. The marks of a Christian. So, irrespective of the hierarchy, like we talked about hierarchy. We said God in the top and next comes the man of the house, the husband and then the wife, and then the children. And this hierarchy, we have to honor it. When you bring children in the place of God, when you bring children above the spouse, it just rattles the family and causes a lot of problem. You need to follow that hierarchy. It's very important. But now, irrespective of hierarchy, you need to have these five qualities. You need to have these five qualities. And after the five qualities, he talks about two things you should not do. Don't do this, don't do this, twice. And he sums it up by saying, what's the best thing to do is to bless. And we'll look at these things, we'll unwrap it now. First thing he says is finally, all of you, it doesn't exempt anybody, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Now basically, in some other version it says, have unity of mind. Everybody say unity of mind. So what is unity of mind? Unity of mind is oneness of mind. That means you think and feel and act the same. Sometimes, you know, somebody may ask a question. Let's say husband and wife are sitting side by side and a question comes. The husband need not look at the wife to give an answer. He knows what she's going to say. Or the wife need not look at the husband to say what to say because she knows what he's going to say. And whatever they say is the same answer. Suppose the husband says this is the answer. And then you turn over to the wife and say, what's your answer? The same. Why? They have the oneness of mind. They have oneness of 
mind. This you see in the highest form in the Trinity, in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They have oneness of mind. There's no division between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They think alike. They feel alike. Act alike. When the Father acts, the Son acts. When the Son acts, the Holy Spirit acts. That is the best example for us. The unity of mind you can see in God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It should be the same between the husband and wife. It should be the same between master and the servant. It should be the same in all relationships. There should be unity of mind. If you have unity of mind, there's no division. There's no quarrel. The peace is not disturbed. That's the reason why we need to have the unity of mind. Next word that he says is be sympathetic. Sympathy. What is sympathy? You know, we use the word all the time, isn't it? When somebody asks a question, we, we go back. It's just feeling or... Um, uh, support in the form of shared feelings or opinion. Somebody goes through usually, usually a difficult situation. Somebody loses somebody in the family or an accident happens or something. What do you do? You show sympathy first. Sympathy is you share their feeling. I feel sorry for what you are going through. You know, that is sympathy. But it doesn't do anything more than saying I am sorry. Sympathy is just sharing the feeling. You put your hand around them, stand by them, and you, sometimes you may, uh, you may even, a um, uh, little bit of tears you may share and you know, shed or whatever these things. Sympathy doesn't do much more than that. Having compassion towards others, basically. But we should go beyond having sympathy. We'll see a little later. One more word, then we'll come back to it again. And then second one here, the third one he says is, love as brothers. Love as brothers. In the Greek it says adelphoi. Uh, Sorry, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the word, that brotherly love. Brotherly love is because we have one father. Who? God the Father. And because we have Jesus as our Savior, one Savior. Because we have one Holy Spirit. We, we all believe in one God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are all brothers and sisters. So we, we ought to have that love as brothers and sisters. If we don't have this love, then we don't belong to the same Father. Yes or no? Sometimes in, in the physically we may have the same father, we may have the same mother, there may not be love between the brothers and sisters. It's possible. But what he's trying to say here is, let's go beyond it. Let us have love for one another. Why should we have love for one another? Because we have the same father. Let's have love for one another. Now, how do you show love to one another? In a church, how do you do it? It's before also I mentioned it, and I would love to um, re-emphasize that we need to show love just by meeting after the service is over. The 10-15 minutes you pick up your coffee and some snack, and shake hands with people, uh, give a big smile. How are you? Hope everything is going on. You know, that is not enough to say you love your brother or your sister. That's not just enough. I say it should go beyond the church. And you must be able to meet up sometime for a coffee or just uh, invite each other into your homes, have a share a meal. I tell you recently I came across a, a recipe on the YouTube which will cost you only a few cents to make. Bean soup. <laughs> Very nutritious. Doesn't cost you a lot of money. Invite somebody, come home. I want to make a bean soup for you. And enjoy a bean soup. 
pray with each other. I tell you, it doesn't cost you a lot of money to invite somebody home. Just you have to step out and say, I would love to, I would love to invite you. Would you like to come? When is it possible? This should happen irrespective of your position, what money you make, what job you have. It should not be a criteria to invite somebody. It should not be a criteria to somebody. You can be boss of an organization. You are coming to Omega Church. Somebody is a, um, uh, in a, in a lower rung working in a factory. You should not say, mm, he's just a factory worker. How can I invite him to my home? No. Brotherly love. Brotherly love should transcend your social position, your income, your, um, how many properties you own. It should not be the criteria for brotherly love. You must invite somebody home. And I usually say, at least one family in a month, 30 days you're having meal with your own family. Invite somebody at least once a month and make that connection with somebody. Make the connection with somebody. I tell you, after that meal, that relationship will change. You're saying, hi, how are you? Yeah, all good, good, good. No, that will change. Next time you see them, the smile will be different. It will be not just from your face will come from the heart because you have made a connection. So we need to do it. As a church family, we have to grow in love. We have to grow in love. And you will know others only by inviting them home and listen to their story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And you listen to their story, affirm them, and say, I love you. I stand with you. Let's pray together. And make connection. So Peter says, you need to have the brotherly love. And then the third one he says, be compassionate and humble. Now, what is this compassion? We've only talk, talked about sympathy. How is this compassion different? Compassion makes you do something more than showing just sympathy. There will be action that follows the sympathy. That is compassion. You hear somebody sick, you can show sympathy. Oh, you had COVID. Uh, we also had COVID. Uh, <laughs> that is sympathy. But when you hear somebody say, oh, we have COVID, okay, I'll send you a meal, delivery at the door. Pick it up. Or I'll leave you in the post box something. I'll leave you at your door something. You don't want to contact them. You don't want to meet them. You don't want that wind to flow from them to you. Okay, leave it at the door and go. Show something. That should be compassion. Compassion makes you do something about the sympathy you show for somebody. Don't just be sympathetic, but show compassion. That will make you move out of your clothes, basically. Go move out of your comfort zone. Do something for somebody. It can be a very little gesture, but that will change the dynamics in the fellowship. Change the dynamics in the fellowship. So we need to have compassion. In Second Peter also, he, as he writes the epistle to the second, second epistle, chapter 1, verse 5 onwards, he gives you a list of things everybody should have. I think Peter loves to list out things. So here in First Peter he gives you five qualities. In Second Peter he gives you seven qualities. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
brotherly affection with love. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, that means it should not be the same. You show compassion today, it costs you to show compassion two dollars. And after six months, to show compassion, it should not be same two dollars. It should be twenty dollars, or it should be two hundred dollars, whatever. But the compassion should cost you something. If it is not costing you something, it is not compassion. It is not compassion if it doesn't cost you anything. Whether in terms of time, in terms of money, in terms of uh, uh, the comfort that you lose because you want to do something for somebody, compassion should move you, and it should be increasing. It should be. Everybody say the word increasing. increasing. If it is not increasing, something is wrong. It has to increase. So he says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It will stop you from being unfruitful and ineffective. How is your faith? Is it ineffective? Is it unfruitful? then it's time to check whether you have these qualities and if those qualities are increasing. It should be increasing. I tell you, so many times I've given you the example of my lime tree, lemon tree at home. <laughs> Six years, same size. <laughs> well, we are, not, we are not great gardeners. We, we have no time to dig it out and put some more soil and, you know, put some, somebody said, uh, put some salt in it, you know. We have not done it yet. But I have intention to do it. <laughs> I really want to see that lemon tree have lemons one day. So the point I'm trying to make is the Christian life can be like my lemon tree. <laughs> it is not growing. If it is not growing, your life is not growing, you are not being fruitful, then something is wrong. You need to check what is wrong. What is wrong? If somebody heard my message six months before, they say, you haven't done anything about, since six months about the lemon tree. Sorry, I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I still have intention to do it. Cool. Next point he talks about is, be compassionate and humble. Now, humble, never pray, God, make me, make me humble. No. When God's hand comes upon you, you'll be finished. You always have to humble yourself. Who has to do it? Say myself. Who has to do it? You have to humble yourself before God. That means you don't think about yourself too highly, but think about yourself rightly, not low. Don't have inferiority complex. Don't go down and say, I am nothing, I am a worm, I am a creature, I am an insect. <laughs> That's not the point here. Humility is knowing who you are and affirming it and remain at that position so that it does, pride doesn't take over. Be humble is not to allow pride to take over. Not to take over. Okay? And then the word, the next one it says is be humble. Um, the word humble also uh, can be translated as a tender heart. Have a tender heart. What is a tender heart? It's compassionate. Uh, in Greek... In, in the Greek word used is strong bowels. You know, the Greek people thought that the, the emotions come from bowels, your intestines. So strong intestines. So tender heart, in English we are translating as tender heart, because when you have strong emotions, English man thinks about heart. The Greek man thinks about bowels. So now if you want to translate it, how do you do it? 
If you say have strong bowels, you say, oh, my bowels are very strong. I eat meat, I eat pork, I eat everything, digest it. That's not the point here. <laughs> the point is what he's trying to make is strong bowels is have a tender heart, have compassionate heart, have sympathy, have brotherly love. Anything about yourself here? It's not about being about yourself. It's about others, most of the things, everything about others. When your life is centered around other people, every blessing will come to yourself, even though you don't ask for it. So many times people talk about, oh, I prayed for a house for so many years. 10 years I prayed for a house. 20 years I prayed for something. When you are focused on his kingdom, when you are focused on meeting other people's needs, you don't have to pray for yourself. The house will come. That car will come. That promotion will come. Everything will come. Why? Because it attracts those whose heart is on helping other people. Jesus did not say for nothing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. If you want to know the secret of wealth, how do I make more wealth? Seek God's kingdom first. What should you do? If you seek God's kingdom first, the wealth will come, money will come, health will come, everything you need will come because you are focused on God's business. When you are focused on God's business, wealth comes. So Peter is giving everything in, in a nutshell. Have a tender heart. What's the difference between sympathy and compassion? Uh, sorry, I have already done that one. And now he says two different things. What you should not do. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Have you ever tried to discipline a child any time? Some children are very timid. Some children are a little more bold. You go to a bold child and you want to whack. What he does, he will raise his hand and beat you again back. Have you seen that any time? Some children are like that. What Peter is saying is, when you repay evil with evil, insult for insult, you are acting like children. You are acting like? So he doesn't want you to act like children. He wants you to be mature. He wants you to be uh, more grown up. And he wants you to have a balanced, balanced life. So what you should do, you should not do these things. Do not repay evil with evil, insult with insult, but with blessing. Everybody say the word blessing. Today, if I want you to go with one word in your mind and your heart and to govern your life, that's the word blessing. Why? There is power in blessing. Everybody say there's power in blessing. I will want to explain to you what is this power in blessing. Take an example of a husband who is, a, who is an alcoholic, okay, and he doesn't care for the family, just uses the money on himself. And the wife is struggling to feed the children, pay the fee, you know, everything she's struggling. Now she's praying this prayer. What kind of prayer? Wife's prayer. God bless my husband. Sorry. <laughs> That's not the word I wanted to say this first. Yeah. 
God bless my husband. Make him give up drinking and listen to me. <laughs> Is there anything wrong in that? Do you see anything wrong in that in prayer? She's, she's desperate. She's praying. Okay. What is she asking for? She's saying, God bless my husband. Is it wrong? No. Make him give up drinking. Is it bad? No. And listen to me. Is it bad? No. But it's not going to happen. When that kind of prayers are offered, it's not going to work. Then how should she pray? How should she pray? Power of the blessing. Power of blessing that husband and how to do it. I bless you in Jesus' name. Let us pray like this. Let her pray like for the husband. I bless you, my husband, in Jesus' name. May God's plans come to pass in your life. May you become the man, the husband, and the father that God proposed you to be. I bless you with freedom from addiction. I bless you with peace of Christ. Bang. That prayer will receive answer. Blessing will change the situation. Blessing will change persons. Blessing will transform your workplace. Blessing will transform your finances. Blessing will transform your husband-wife relationship and the family dynamics between parents and children. Blessing will change everything. Blessing will change everything. There was a, one man who, who, who was a, I mean, he owned a business and he had an office and people coming into the office and working. And he discovered this principle of blessing. He discovered the principle of blessing. So what he did was, when even before anyone came to office, he will go and lay his hand on empty chairs, put his hand on the chair and say, bless this person, whoever usually sits on the chair, and he'll take the name in his mind and say, bless that person, change him, and make him a great uh, testimony to yourself. Whatever way he blessed the chair, and when he laid hand, he believed that the power that is within him will be transferred to the chair, and when the person sits on the chair, they'll be blessed indeed. And they will change. Now, after some time, people were talking about, you know, people talk about wives, good wives, bad wives, you know, sometimes. So they were saying, hey, something is different in the office. These days I feel good wives when I come to office. <laughs> Why? Because the boss was blessing the chair every day. So there was a man who used to use a lot of uh, uh, cursing and, you know, the expletive words, you know, you don't want to hear in a Christian context. Those kind of words he was using. And you have told him he doesn't listen. So what he did, early morning he will come, put his hand on the chair. I bless this man in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I bless him. I bless his mouth. I bless his tongue. I bless that only blessing will come his mouth, not cursing anymore. I bless him. I bless him. And after two, three months, he stopped cursing. There is power in blessing. There's power in blessing. When there's disagreement between two, any two people, let the one who knows bless the other person. Let blessing be the first option for you, not what is the next argument. I think I know what she, she, she said last time. I know what he said three months ago. I'm going to attack him with these ideas. No, no, no. Don't do all the things. Don't think about how to attack. Instead, what do you do? Bless. Put your hand upon, sometimes you, you even you can bless your own um, a bed. Any of you blessed your bed any time? Put your hand on the bed and say, in the name of Jesus, I bless this bed. And every problem with sleeping may go. 
me and my wife may receive good night refreshing sleep i bless this bed in the name of the father son and the holy spirit and see if your sleep does not improve it will improve where you put your hand and bless there the power of god falls on that place where you where the person you bless the holy spirit fall upon the person anything that you are learning from this today i thought i started my time but i didn't start at all <laughs> forgot about it <laughs> yeah so there is power in the blessing so that is how we need to learn how to do and uh, he says bless do not uh, repay sorry 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 for for uh, but with blessing because to this you were called everybody say called what were you called for to bless why when you bless somebody so that you may inherit a blessing when you bless somebody what do you do you inherit a blessing usually i mean every sunday after the service is over we usually do not have what you call uh, uh, as a pastor i do not uh, release any blessing on anybody you know but we usually put up a scripture there and we make the congregation stand up and can you give somebody lay your hand on somebody's shoulder and release the blessing on them why as you bless somebody you'll be blessed as you bless somebody you'll be blessed so for this you are called you are called to bless somebody you know what this is what you see in, in the old testament the priests were called to bless the congregation so the priest he may offer the sacrifice and everything is over then he'll come out and bless the congregation and they use those words the lord said to moses tell aaron and his sons this is how you are to bless the israelites say to them the lord bless you and keep you and the lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace that's how he he was told to bless for hundreds of years the priests have used the standard words the same words to bless and peter is saying today Every Christian is a priest. You are called to bless. Every Christian is a priest. You ought to know who you are. You are called to bless means you are called to be a priest. Did you not say this in the previous chapter? That God has called you to be a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own people. That's who you are. That's who you are. Royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own people, and you are called to bless, not to curse. Now, whatever thing you want to change in your life the person the situation bless it bless the job you don't like to go in the morning bless the boss you don't want to see bless the employee who gives you trouble bless your husband if you don't like him <laughs> bless your wife if you don't like her bless your children if they give trouble to you things are going to change good things are coming why because you are going to be a priest who will be blessing you will be you will be acting like a priest who will bless you god has put this principle and he told the priest you have to bless and these are the words to use to bless and now today peter says you bless don't curse have you are we learning anything this morning if you say if you learn something say amen Now I had to finish it quickly. For 
Again, when he says for, that means he's giving you a reason. Why should you bless? For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It may not make sense to you when you read these words. Why? You don't, you don't understand the context in which these words are said. This is from Psalm 34. Where is it from? We have preached on Psalm 34 on the February 28th, 1920, uh, 2021. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you can go back and listen to our message on our podcast. On the podcast on Google and Apple and wherever you search, Spotify, it is there. You just open your mobile and click and listen to Psalm 34. I did it myself. I said, oh, what did I preach on Psalm 34? <laughs> so when I listened to it, I was blessed. I was preaching to myself, basically, as I was listening to it. I tell you this beautiful truth the Lord has taught us on that day. Revisit it. Okay? Psalm 34. The context is, David was fleeing from Saul, King Saul. And he was, he was fleeing from Saul and went to Achish, the king at Gath, a Philistine king. And when he went there, the soldiers looked at David and said, is it not this guy about whom the people of Israel sang? Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. So they are talking about who? Their own leader, Goliath, was killed by David. And they're reminding the king, is this not the guy who killed our leader, the strong man? About him, they did, not, did, not, did they not sing, Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands? In one second, David started to act like a madman. He let the saliva run down his beard. He started scribbling on the walls. And the, the king said, do I lack madmen that you brought this man into my kingdom? Do I need to have him in my house? He threw him out. I was just wondering about the whole thing. <clears throat> God gave wisdom to David to escape from the stronghold. You could have killed Goliath, but now you are alone in the presence of king of Achish, Gath. And all his soldiers are with their weapons standing around you, surrounding your house. He was basically under house arrest at that time. He was surrounded by, around, around by the soldiers, not to let him go out. There was no escape. There was no escape. And he acted like a madman. And King said, he's not a guy you're talking about. No, no, no. He's a mad guy. Just throw him out. And that is how God delivered him. God delivered him. And in that context, he writes that psalm, Psalm 34 and Psalm 56. Read both the psalms. Listen to the message again. Uh, look up in the list. You will find Psalm 34 and listen to it. You will have beautiful things God will speak to you. Again, refreshing message. It is not old. Only one year old, one and a half. But I tell you, the word is very fresh. And I myself was blessed. So you want to understand the context in which these words were said? Listen to the message. And uh, the basic thing I'm trying to say here is, if you trust in the Lord, you'll never be put to shame. If you trust in the Lord, you'll never be put to shame. 
and david has discovered it that the way is to keep your mouth from saying bad things you have to bless he had many occasions to kill saul in one occasion when he went with uh, one of his uh, right hand man he entered into the camp of saul saul was asleep with his spear stuck into the ground and there was a jar of water near him and all the men mighty soldiers were surrounding him they were all sleeping and uh, david goes to the king who was sleeping and the guy was talking to him his right hand man you don't i will just give me permission one strike i will finish this man king for you so your problem will be gone forever in one second he says i i don't think they were talking in audible voice whispering give me one chance one chance one chance he said no no you cannot do that he's anointed of god why cannot raise your hand against anointed one that's what king david was saying but let us take the spear and the jar of water and go away and they go away a kilometer or so and put themselves in a safe distance from there they shout they shout to the commander hey how dare you miss you 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 have failed in your duty how dare you fail in your duty you didn't protect your master see the spear is with me the jar of water is with me and then saul realizes it's the voice of david oh my son david is it your voice god gave me in, you into my hand but i didn't raise my hand why are you pursuing me oh i had done wrong i am really sorry and saul withdraws from him god will entrust you this morning that person who gives you trouble he's entrusting you that wife that husband that son that master that boss that employee he's entrusting you to so that you will begin to bless them not curse them why that is going to change your life david discovered the secret and this psalm is from that those words are from that psalm and peter is quoting from that psalm shall we bow head in have prayer thank you jesus thank you lord thank you for your word we bless your name we exalt your name we praise you jesus lord we bless ourselves this morning lord as we are done already we laid our hand on our heads and we have blessed ourselves and our family and our spouse and our children and everything that belongs to us may it be so that everything that belongs to us be blessed this morning i release the blessing in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit upon your children right now those who are listening to me and i let blessing overtake them oh lord i pray that you their strength will increase their wisdom will increase their resources will will be blessed lord everything that belongs to them be blessed their families be blessed their future be blessed their jobs be blessed finance be blessed everything be blessed the destiny be blessed in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and everybody said amen amen thanks for joining us at omega if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough or simply to find out more please head to our website or facebook page in the links below